Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. The Middle East has long been a cauldron of hate and war. Even in Bible times, it teemed with marching armies and clashing swords. Today, the weapons may be different, but the result is the same, death and suffering. Into this swirling mass steps the Pope. Good idea? Bad idea? Let's talk with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what's on your mind today? Well, as you say, the Middle East is on my mind. It came to mind while I was on what we'd spoken of in other programs, a uh, great controversy religious liberty bus tour of, of some of the countries in Europe yes, where things yes. really happened. And I kept buying the newspaper or reading it at the motel, and you know, all sorts of things were happening around the world that had religious liberty implications. Yes. Uh, we'll discuss those perhaps another time, but things like uh, you know, a Sudanese young woman in jail for her life because she changed from the faith of her ancestry. And, and in Pakistan, a woman because of the uh, religious sensibility there, her family felt empowered to stone her to death right in front of a police station because they didn't like who she was marrying. And, you know, you can go on and on. But what really got my attention was news from the Middle East during uh, Pope Francis's visit there. They, they were just galvanizing images. Why would that attract your attention, Lincoln? I mean, aren't, aren't you glad that someone's over there talking to these people? Yes, I'm very happy. And, and uh, you know, I need to put a qualifier... Uh, who am I to question the sensibility or the, uh, the, uh, the, the intention of, in this case, the leader of the Church of Rome? You know, church leaders, I think, should be uh, calling for peace. They should uh, make contacts. You know, that's, that's not something that I'm about to criticize in any shape, form, or manner. Yeah. But I, as I say, I was in Europe where we were doing a review of church history, and uh, there are many uh, scenes within three, four hundred years of the death of Christ when the Bishop of Rome rose in not just prominence, but political power, yes, to the point yes. where, as Rome fell, the Bishop of Rome had become the secular ruler of the, the rump empire, yes, and yes. spoke, as the Bible says, like a dragon. Like a dragon yeah. <laughs> there were cases where kings and potentates had to bow before the, uh, the Pope. In fact, I saw uh, this last weekend, I was reading a book of history, it wasn't a religious book, but it was just a book of history, and... And there was a, a picture of one of the emperors lying on the ground on his back, curiously, before one of the popes, mm. doing total obeisance to show that he was subservient, almost like a, uh, an alpha dog will force <laughs> yes, the other to lie on yes. his stomach yes. and you know, be vulnerable. That's where religious leaders took themselves, where they were uh, casting themselves and their power as a total overlord of the, the body and soul of, of, of people within the domain. And those days, you think, are gone. But in some ways, we were seeing the resurgence of that with this recent dynamic. I need to preface it, though, with something that we discussed here in a meeting once some years ago that really uh, impressed on me. Some of our listeners might remember that Pope John Paul II, two popes back, mm -hmm. who uh, reigned, uh, and they use that word, even that word troubles me, but his reign as pope was a couple of decades and toward the end of it, as he was ravaged with Parkinson's disease and leaning heavily on a staff, he went to the Middle East. And the uh, Time and Newsweek and the newspapers 
of course, made much of this pilgrimage of this, you know, the lion in winter pope as he went there and tried to bring some peace. And I remember that before he went to Jerusalem, he stopped in Ramallah, the headquarters of the Palestine Authority, once the PLO, in fact, still the home to the PLO, but it was ruling under the name of the Palestine Authority. And he met with Yasser Arafat. Now, Yasser Arafat, at the high point of his career, was given the Nobel Peace Prize. But all that says is that the judges lost their bearings for a short while. (laughs) (laughs) He was not a peacemaker. (laughs) He was a career revolutionary of the first degree. But the Pope met with him, and it was reported, but not loudly, that they both signed a document, a joint document, saying that the status of Jerusalem could not be settled without both of them being involved. And a few years after that, we had a meeting with the head of the uh, PLO delegation in Washington, not a formal delegation because they're not recognized, but essentially the ambassador met with him. And I asked him about that. I said, Arafat's dead. Pope John Paul II is dead and gone. I said, is that a binding document? And he became very excited. He says, yes, I remember that. He says, I was standing next to him when he signed it. He says, I was his chief of staff. And he says, I can assure you, he said, the Holy Father is intimately involved with the disposition of Jerusalem. Wow. And those words resonated with me the other day when I read in the newspaper of the visit of Pope Francis to the Middle East at a time of a lot of tensions. There's not an overt threat to Israel as there has been at some times, and and they feel secure, but there's this ongoing tension with the Palestinians. And I remember when I was there being overawed by the wall, the the concrete wall that snakes its way through the outskirts of Jerusalem, and it it towers over you at various points like a a concrete wave about to fall on you. Because it's not just up, it's over. It it, it arches back towards you. And then guard posts at key points where you see uh, frightened young boys uh, in in their teens staring out at you alongside the muzzle of their gun. So it resonated with me when I saw images in the newspaper and then on TV of, of Francis going to that wall, expressing his dissatisfaction, going to a memorial of the, of the dead uh, in Israel, and, and, and then at one point, something that I have not read a comment on, but I saw it with my own eyes. The Pope leaned forward, and he said with very abrupt emphasis, he says, no more terrorism. Well, that's been reported with its best construction, but he was standing next to Netanyahu after he'd told him how important it was to build the wall and to protect Israelis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Netanyahu clearly took that as a uh, criticism of Israel because he he, uh, jerked his head away and instantly turned away from the Pope and went to his aid, like in panic. What was going on here? Mm -hmm. And the cameras zoomed away. They didn't want to show his reaction. So the Pope felt bold enough to basically put the Israelis on their merits, you know. And then he uh, quickly brokered a meeting by invitation between himself, uh, President Shimon Peres, and uh, uh, President Abbas of the Palestinians to come to his private quarters in Rome and, and they would settle the dispute. Whether he will remains to be seen, but that's, that's like the Dark Ages really? when the Pope was really? the kingmaker. Really? It's not wrong in a human dynamic for any, as I say, for any church leader to be doing that. But the fact that this church leader now has that prestige and, and in essence, power to do that, where Clinton and and Bush and (laughs) 
now Obama seemed to be powerless. Mm -hmm. I think the gravitas has shifted. Mm. And, and, you know, we can't say it shouldn't happen because it's, it's, it's his right to do it. You know, it's right. In fact, it's his obligation to hold out a fig leaf as a church leader. Mm -hmm. But it's very telling about the regenerated power of this religious and political entity known as Roman Catholicism. And, and it throws me back to history because this is like back to the future really, again. Really, really. These are just, in some ways, like, like the, the, the handwriting on the wall in, in Babylon when mm -hmm. Belshazzar was thinking he was the powerful king of the whole world. And, and here there was a, sh a sharp reminder, well, you're a bit lacking. Mm -hmm. Your kingdom is about to fall. And I, I think the temporal powers are really very presumptuous to think that they order things. And religion is a fact of life. Can't deny that. But when religion becomes a temporal power itself, again, we have an even more dangerous twist, I think. I can't figure it out. I cannot figure out why a religious leader would have that kind of power in a civil situation. What's he got on them that we need to know about, if anything? I think he has, we have to be honest, he has moral power that comes from some good and, and some presumptuous things that are said publicly. Yeah. He has exposure in the age of the movie star and the politician that looks good and, and, and makes the headlines, that gives you power in, mm. in the modern world. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a mystery as it develops, but, it, but people forget this and, and other developments, not just in church-state relations, but these sort of developments are historic shifts really, really. to jump across to something else. While there's conflicts in the world, I don't think people realize History is repeating itself before their eyes, say, with the situation between Russia and the Crimean Peninsula. You know, there was a religious war fought there 150 years ago between all the major powers. And we seem to be spiraling back to the same thing. And so similarly, with religious powers that exerted direct and strong political power in the past, it's coming to pass again. It's just cyclic. It just seems to be, like you say, swirling. It goes around and around and around. How do you break that, Lincoln? How do you break well, it? we can't break it, but I think it's a reminder to people of faith to cling to the real mm. basis of their faith. It's a personal faith, not something delivered from a, uh, a platform where all the leaders gather around and say, this is what you must do, right. and that we must remember, no matter what comes out of this, our faith shouldn't be mandated to. We worship before God, yeah. not before any uh, power of, of political or religious persuasion. And you put all religions on that platform. That represents all religions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Roman Catholic Church is not, you know, even from a Protestant's perspective, I, I, you know, there were some extreme things said during the Reformation, but no, it's, it's not uniquely wrong. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be the, the entrenched, <laughs> politicized uh, leadership that they'd inherited. But any human leadership in a faith, 
that dabbles with political power, that forgets the higher spiritual values, will fall into the same error. Rome has played a role in church-state history that we need looking at as, as an object lesson, but not Roman Catholicism. In fact, presently, in the Middle East, we're seeing uh, Islam fulfilling some of the same uh, yes, yes, uh, mistakes. Yes. It's politically uh, aggressive. It's often violently coercive. Well, all of those things existed with the church in the Middle Ages. And, and unfortunately, I think the underlying dynamic has not been totally repudiated, even though it's not acted on today. And giving political power to any dominant religion tends to, te- to head that way. So we should be on our guard against that. All right. Very good. Well, that's, of course, the the mission of Liberty Magazine and this radio program. www.libertymagazine.org is the website for you to read articles on these and other topics. Also, listen to these programs and share them with others. That's all at libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you very much for your insights. Always appreciate you being here. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.